Okay, I have to admit something that might come across like a little bit of a downer, but uh, sometimes for me, I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, Christian worship gatherings can be a little underwhelming. I think about it like, you know, we're standing here, we're the people of God, we've been redeemed out of darkness, we've been transferred into the kingdom of light, and we're singing to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we're like this. And we're singing to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we're like, I don't like this song. We're singing to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and like, if we're really getting into it, it's like the hand gets maybe to the shoulder. And uh, it's funny for me, I've actually been thinking about this a lot of like what it looks like to use my body. I am a, a, a human who is made in the image of Jesus and uh, I have been created to give glory to God and to worship him. And I used to say those things were cultural. It's like, well, you know, well, that denomination of Christianity, like that's a cultural thing. Like they're really expressive in worship. You know, I'm just kind of more reserved as a person until you see those same person or persons at a Taylor Swift concert. And you're like, tell me that's not a worship service. You know, you're like, at church, Jesus, you're so, you know. And then Taylor Swift is like erupting in praise, you know. Like so, or, you know, to maybe get a little bit more personal, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm all reserved in worship, uh, praising Jesus. And then you go to a sports game and like people are just praising, like out of control, celebrating. Uh, or for me personally, I remember uh, when I found out that I got to be a girl dad, like literally I'm just like, the pink confetti came out, and I was literally like, so, like look at me. Like, I, like, have you seen me like that in a worship service yet? I hope so. But like, you know what I'm saying? My wife is literally next to me doing this. Like, she's like jumping up and down. And here's, what, here, here's the point I'm trying to get at. Humans know how to worship. Humans know how to worship. Humans were created in God's image. And as I've been reflecting on this, I don't know about you, but this is something that, is, that for me I've been really convicted by. Uh, we will go absolutely bonkers for the gifts that God gives us. Relationships, sports teams, concerts, celebrities. Like, we will go absolutely bonkers for the good things that God has given us, but not for God himself. And the reason I share that is because uh, the passage that I'm going to teach out of tonight is Mary's song. It's the song that she sings when she finds out that she's pregnant with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And this song is all about celebration. It's joy. It's high intensity. It's excitement. And you may not be a Christian or you may not have been around the Christian community for a long time, but this is literally one of the most famous songs in all of historical Christianity. It's literally been whispered in monasteries. It's been chanted in cathedrals. It's been recited in churches for literally 2,000 years. Uh, some call it like the gospel before the gospel was even announced. And it's literally an enthusiastic shout of God's victory over the darkness of the world and the darkness in your world. And the good news of this song and the main point that I want you to see tonight and the main point that I want you to embrace is this, and I'm going to put it on the screen, that God lifts the humble and humbles the proud. That God, the God we serve, is a God who lifts up the humble and humbles the proud. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, she sees herself as the prime example of that. And so what happens to her? She bursts out and prays. Look at Luke 1, verses 46 through 49. It's going to be on the screen. And the passage goes like this. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
I love this. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. I love this. And holy is his name. I love this. Mary starts her song by pouring out her soul before God. I love this. Like, like just picture her. like she's, she's pouring out her soul before God, and she's doing it in front of her relative Elizabeth. Like She's not caring what people think. And when she pours out her soul before God, what comes out is joyful praise. I don't know if you noticed in the passage, she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She says, holy is his name. She goes, my soul glorifies the Lord. And it's because God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She's referring to herself. And I love this. She says, he has done great things for me. Mary was a Jew. She's probably 12 to 14 when this, uh, when this song was uh, sung out of her lips. And she would have growing up, like she would have heard what God was like. She would have searched the scriptures. She would have read the story of the Exodus. She would have read the story of Joshua, of the people of God going to the promised land. She would have read about the, the people of God sent into exile and brought back to the land. And she would have heard stories of what God was like. She would have prayed the Psalms in anticipation and in hope. But I love this. She grew up hearing what God was like and reading what God was like and singing about what God was like, but now Mary sees what God is like in her own story. It's beautiful. Mary's childhood hopes are now fulfilled by the child that is in her womb. If you would have asked Mary, I love this, if you would have asked Mary, how do you know that the God we serve is a God that lifts up the humble? I think her answer wouldn't have been because I sang about it. She wouldn't have said, because I read it in the scriptures, what she would have said, I know that God lifts the humble because of me, because of my story. I had a humbling moment this last week. It wasn't an extravagant story, um, but I was literally in that room right there for our staff meeting, and uh, God has just been like showing me constantly over and over just how kind and how gracious he's been in my life. And I was, uh, it was in that staff meeting, and we had like kind of this moment where uh, Jeremy, our lead pastor, asked us to open up the Bible to Titus chapter 2, uh, read this passage, and then make some observations. And so like we're in this circle, and you know, like I'm offering, like, oh, here's what I see, and the next person's like, here's what I see, and then Abel says what he says, and it's better what I said. And you know, like we're all kind of like offering like things that we see, and I remember we're all kind of like talking, sharing, and then there's this powerful moment where... Uh, one of my staff members, she's probably 20, 25 years older than me, just stops and she reads this passage about salvation coming to all people and the grace of God appearing and God pouring out himself on behalf of us for our sins. And she literally stops and as she's talking about it, she just starts to cry. And it was like this sacred silence where she was just so filled with awe and joy. She's like, if you would have known where I was and where God met me. And the, and the silence was sacred because you could just see, like, do not interrupt this moment. But the, but the silence was also kind of like a stinging rebuke to me. Because I felt like what God asked me, he's like, in 20 years, are you going to be that soft to the grace that I've had on you in your life? Or are you, are you numb? Are you numb to the kindness that I've showed you? And maybe that describes you in the room, like you, we, we sing songs about God's grace, his rule, his kindness, his restoration, and maybe you feel numb. And maybe you feel numb because of sin in your life that's kind of deadened you to the senses of God. Maybe some of, some of you are just so distracted that you don't even have time to think about God's grace, you're so busy. I don't know what it is for you, 
But it's so important to keep things in front of our eyes that keep our hearts soft because grace-filled people are grateful people. Grace-filled people are always grateful people. Uh, so uh, I was married, uh, I got married this, uh, well, almost six years ago this summer. And, uh, and so uh, my wife, we're like, you know, what's going to be our, like our first dance song? And so we're talking about it. She's like, what about Wanted by Hunter Hayes? And I was like, never heard of it, but that sounds good for me. Like the song meant nothing to me. Uh, but then we got married, and that was like our first dance. I remember like I got to marry my bride, the, the one I love, the one I adore, and we danced to that song. And it's funny, to this day, every single time that song is played, I literally start to cry. And it's like that song meant nothing to me, but as soon as it was tied to Crystal, I just literally start to cry. I started playing it in a classroom by myself today, and I was like, you know, like, I'm glad I'm not around people right now. But here's what's fascinating, something that I do, and it's kind of weird, but I'm going to share it with you. Sometimes, believe it or not, in six years of marriage, I've gotten irritated with my wife before. We've gotten in arguments. And there's a practice that I do that when my heart isn't soft to her, I will literally pull out that song by myself and I'll just start to play it. And it instantly, like, like my heart just starts to soften towards my wife. And as weird as that is, in the same way, I think there needs to be practices in our lives, reminders in our lives, the things that we do that are sacred to our personal story, that when we, when we look at these things, they just start to soften our hearts in tremendous ways. Well, one of the things that I've been doing to like just, I mean, Mary says like she's, she is singing praise because God has been mindful of her powerless state. And she's just so filled with grace. And one of the things that I've been trying to do to keep my heart soft with the Lord is, is remembering my baptism. And so literally, I have, I have a picture on the screen. This is like 12-year-old Corey, okay? So like, I'm getting baptized. It's, uh, I remember this moment was so sweet. If you can go to the next picture. So uh, I literally, so that's my dad. Uh, that's our old pastor who has his eyes closed. And then my brother on the far right. And I remember this moment, like, I was in the waters, and this is the moment God, like, declared me to be a child of God in, in front of, like, the whole community of faith, and it was so special, and it was so good, and I remember at 12 years old, I didn't know what I would go through in my life, I didn't know all the things that God would have for me, call me to, mistakes I would make, but I remember coming out of the waters of baptism, feeling new, and I remember, like, tears coming to my eyes, because at that age, like, that little Corey, I just knew that God loved me. And I look at that picture now, and it's even more special because I've known things that I've done since that moment. I've, knows, I've known ways that I've wandered. I've known seasons where I'm like, I'm embarrassed about those seasons, and maybe you have seasons like that in your life. And literally, something that I have been doing to keep my heart soft to the Lord and to the grace of God is literally, like, before I preach, I'll, I'll try to stare at that photo. I'll try to think about that moment and just be like, God is so good and kind to me. And I think in this story and in this passage and in this song, the secret to Mary's joy, maybe the secret to your joy, was that she was mindful of God's mindfulness of her. That she was mindful of how gracious God was, and it softened her heart. And when she poured out her heart, genuine praise is what came out. And so uh, the song goes on, and what's interesting, this, this reality that God lifts the humble and he humbles the prideful is not just true personally, but a Christmas is a cosmic reality where Christ reigns over all things. So Mary goes from the personal reality of God working in this way to the national or even international reality, and she starts talking about the world and the nations at play. Look at the next verse, verse 50. 
So she goes on and says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. I love this. What she's saying is, for those who fear God, God's mercy extends from generation to generation, which means Mary's story can become your story. And then verse 51, it says this, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. How thankful are we that God is that way with us. To Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. And then after the song, it says that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then they returned home. I want you to notice what God does uh, to the prideful among the nations. Uh, it says that he scatters the proud in their inmost thoughts. He, he topples the mighty from their thrones. He sends the rich away empty because they have already had their fill on this world. And the reason this is good news and the reason this is worth celebrating because it's often the proud and the mighty and the rich and the positions of power that have oppressed and caused the most injustice in the world. Uh, in this time, it's the, the, it's the proud and it's the mighty and it's the rich at Rome that are oppressing the people of God. And, and Mary's rejoicing about this. And here's what's even more fascinating about the story. I don't know if you noticed this. Mary is praising God about something he hasn't done yet as if it's already happened. Mary is praising God about scattering the proud, toppling the mighty, sending the rich away empty, and he hasn't done it yet. Because she knows eventually the Messiah, her son, will overthrow every proud heart and will overthrow every proud nation eventually. This isn't the point of the passage, but I just need to say it. Uh, God has made incredible promises to many of you that you haven't seen fulfilled yet in your life. And don't let don't let the unfulfillment of it not happening yet rob you of praising God. A lot of our praises, I praise you, God, because I know you're going to do this in my life. God, I praise you because I know I'm going to experience more freedom. God, I praise you because I know where I'm at is not where I'm going to end up. But it doesn't matter. Uh, that's where the story kind of like transitions. And this is what uh, a reflection said about this passage. Uh, look on the screen. I put it on there for you. It says, this is the way God operates, talking about lifting the humble and taking the prideful and humbling them. The humble are shown mercy, while the proud receive justice. The lowly are lifted, and the lofty are brought low. This is true for nations, as can be seen from Mary's song. The proud rulers who rule the world always get judged in the end. It happened to the Roman Empire. It will happen to today's empires. And believe it or not, it will happen to the American Empire unless we humble ourselves before God. The kingdoms of this world are temporary and momentary. So why would we trust in them? God will not rest until all nations acknowledge Christ is Lord, and all nations will acknowledge that Christ is Lord on that great day, that final day when justice is done, the humble are lifted, the arrogant brought low, and those who fear God are given mercy. Now as Americans, it's really easy to like hear that and go, okay. But if we just pause for a second and just think about the chaos of our world. Guys, our world is in absolute chaos right now. Uh, I'm at, I, when I'm watching the TV, like, I actually have to filter how much like, news I take in uh, because like, my heart just gets so discouraged. Like, when I see what's happening in Israel and Palestine, and I just, when I see like, you know, uh, 
15-month-old so-and-so got kidnapped, and I'm like, I picture that as my daughter or so-and-so parent. Like, it just, it hits, like, really home. And when I think about Russia and Ukraine, the wars, and you just think about our current country and the political climate where it's, like, political leaders, the, the leaders of the empire of this day, like, they're just slandering one another back and forth, and it's like, that's how the only way to get into the position is to slander down the aisle, and then you have Christians supporting those things, and it's just like, there's, like, there's chaos everywhere in our world. There's chaos everywhere in your world, probably. And I love, this is what God's response is to this. In Psalm 46, chaos in the world is not new. I think sometimes as Christians, we're like, can you believe what's happening? But in the worldview of the Bible, it's like, this is what happens when the kingdoms of this world do not humble themselves before God. Look what the psalmist says. It says, the nations are in uproar. Doesn't that kind of describe what we're experiencing? And then the psalmist goes, kingdoms fall. It's just a matter of time. And this is what God says the Christian response is. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth because Christ reigns over everything. Amen? And I just want to say to you right now, when people in our culture and in our world are losing their minds, you can be still and be at peace because Christ reigns, and his name will be exalted in the earth. And so I think the challenge of the back half of Mary's song is challenging us is to do not put your hope in a nation. Do not put your hope in a president. Do not put your hope in a form of government. Do not put your hope in military power. Guys, there is one kingdom, there is one government, and there is one king, and his name is Jesus. And what Mary says is, is if you put your hope in God, and if you fear him, and if you humble yourself before him, God will exalt you. And if you humble yourself before God, it says that his mercy will find you because it extends from generation to generation. Because one day in our future, every knee will bow and every knee will confess that Christ is Lord. And so as we kind of wrap up here and as we continue to sing, this Christmas, I just want you to know, if you want to experience the riches of Christ's mercy, if you want to experience the joyful praise, the genuine joyful praise that Mary has, if you want to know the riches of God's mercy, here's the thing, you simply need to admit the poverty of your life. Coming before God, the richest one, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and say, God, I have nothing. I have nothing if it weren't for Christ. And I love this. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3. This is what our Lord's word says as we close tonight. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So my question to you tonight as we end is twofold. One, do you see yourself as poor and needy before the king of kings? And do you see yourself, and are you somebody who is trying to step up the world ladder trying to elevate and exalt yourself? Or are you somebody that humbles yourself so that Christ could be exalted in your life? Because what Jesus says is, if you are poor in spirit, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And God, we, we thank you that, uh, that you are the God of peace and the more that we get to know you, we start to experience the peace of God. And so, God, I pray that your peace would just rest upon this community. God, this community that you love dearly. God, I pray that your peace would rest upon hearts tonight. And God, I pray 
uh, that we would give you our full praise and adoration and grateful worship, God, because you are worthy of our praise. Jesus, you redeemed us from darkness. We thank you for crying, kids. (laughs) All right, we're going to sing now. (laughs) Jesus, we love you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.